It's the next level. I didn't think you would make the same mistake twice. And you didn't. Did you? So it's a family. Family's doing just fine. Busy, 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 busy. Need a vacation. Word is that kid of yours is a chip off the old block. Well, one does what one can. He's in the other room. Boys will be boys. With Gabriel. Hmm. No accounting for our taste, really. They have the spear of destiny. They have the spear of destiny. <laughs> or is it another one of your cons? Look for yourself. You've waited 20 years for me, though. What's another 20 seconds? appropriate for a politician. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. And now for our feature presentation. Mammon is a demon who according to Christian theology, embodies one of the cardinal sins, greed. In fact, this demon's monstrous greed is so powerful that innocent men can be sucked into it and corrupted, so that they too focus their attention on building up worldly treasure instead of virtues that they can carry with them into the kingdom of heaven. Postmortem is a host who, according to no one's theology, embodies one of the podcastinal sins, annoyance. In fact, this host's heinous belligerence is so irritating that impressionable men can be lured into it and corrupted, so that they too focus their attention on annoying the shit out of everyone instead of silence, that they can carry with them into the good graces of their peers. From the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, the one podcast Lucifer himself would come up here to collect and make sure it will never happen again. Welcome back, everyone, to What, what Lurks, Lurks Behind, Behind Podcast, podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host, 
post-mortem Paul. This week, we are releasing our demons back to hell. Or maybe just the year 2005. Uh, <laughs> reviewing a movie in which Keanu Reeves plays a guy named John. No, not Johnny Mnemonic. Not Point Break. Not Dracula. Not yet, anyway. Not John Wick 1, 2, or 3. Definitely not Much Ado About Nothing. And we've already talked about Cyberpunk 2077 on this show, so... What John could I be talking about? Well, this week's review is about yet another John that Keanu has played from DC Comics the Vertigo label technically from the comic Hellblazer which was actually supposed to be the name of the movie that I'm reviewing this week yeah the review of this week is none other than 2005's Constantine Another movie that goes to hell, much like last week's episode did with Spawn going to hell. But this hell is, well, more on that in a bit. And for those of you in the know, yes, this Friday, Shudder is bringing back the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. Um, yeah, and... For some of you, that means nothing, whatever. Um, but for me, that's pretty awesome. I really enjoy that show. Um, cool thing. Uh, today, it was announced that Eli Roth will be a guest on the show. And whether you love him or hate him, I know some people don't really care for Eli Roth's movies. And some people really like them and whatnot. You know, a lot of people feel he's more about the gore and whatnot. But, I mean, it is what it is. The thing is, is he's really interesting to listen to. So, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what he's going to be talking about with Joe Bob. So, it should be kind of cool. Not really a whole... There was another announcement made today, actually. Well, there was a couple uh, Blu-ray releases that were announced for July. The one that stood out to me is uh, getting the Scream Factory treatment. Um, Stephen King's The Dead Zone is getting a Blu-ray release. Uh, Not much announced for it at the moment. They did say more details will be coming in the near future, but it will be a remastered release. And the street date for it is July 27th, 2021. So I'm kind of looking forward to that because I do have it on VHS and DVD. But Scream Factory make good releases, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Between Scream Factory and Arrow, I find they usually have a lot of great releases. So there's that. In terms of things I've watched over the past week, kind of went down a few rabbit holes. First one being Terra Nova, because I mentioned it on the last episode about, you know, series that get canceled way too soon. And so, yeah, I kind of went down that rabbit hole again and rewatched it all 13 episodes only to, you know, obviously uh, watching a series like that, it can be somewhat annoying because 
you get to the end of the first season and it's like there's nothing else like that's and it's sort of like one of those um like it's a sadomasochist kind of thing i guess like you know you're gonna you're gonna put yourself through some pain when you get to the end but i mean other than that i i do i still enjoy watching that show i can understand why it wasn't continued i mean i hate it because i really enjoyed the show and it disappoints me it never went further but at the same time i do get it i mean some of the dialogue was really rough and it it started off really strong and then the middle episodes kind of went a little weak but then it had a, a strong ending unfortunately fox didn't feel that they could further it on much more and down the well it went but one thing that didn't disappoint was the other rabbit hole I went down which was Sleepaway Camp I watched all the first three films so pretty much for me Sleepaway Camp is a trilogy I know there's uh, what two more parts after Sleepaway Camp 4 and then Return to Sleepaway Camp those two to be fair I don't even think I've seen them I know that Pelissa Rose is in one of them I think it's Return to Sleepaway Camp she has a small role in it or whatever but for me it's always been the first three and that's pretty much it for me when it comes to sleepaway camp the first one is an absolute gem i mean it was it was a slasher ahead of its time it was a slasher that did things differently um but the one that and not a lot i mean there's people that enjoy it there's people that talk about it but i find it sort of goes under the radar and a little bit underrated is part two unhappy campers probably because i think a lot of people wanted felissa rose to return as angela i personally think that pamela springsteen did a really good job taking over the role um, but the thing is is that with part two i mean it's really a different kind of beast because it's just that first one was humorous in its own way but it had sort of that straight dark tone to it where the second film really just camped out the humor and just went all out, you know, blood, gore, and tits. Because <laughs> it's basically what it is. Um, I mean, part three, well, I, I mean, it's fun as well. But I don't know. There's something about that second film I just really enjoy. And I was kind of glad I went down that rabbit hole. But enough of rabbit holes. Let's... You know, let's just light up a few smokes and have a chit-chat with Satan. What do you think? Um, yeah. Let's do the trailer timeout for this week's review. Uh, by the way, it's somewhat of a different trailer this week. I'm, I, I Normally I go with the North American trailers, but this week I felt I would go with the international one because I feel the international trailer is better audio-wise. So even though when I'm promoting this on the Facebook page and whatnot, it will be the North American trailer that I use, um, I thought I would go international this week. Not that it's much of a difference. I mean, it's just it, audio-wise it works a lot better. So trailer timeout. And when we return to our shared deadcast experience, we're going to raise a little hell. We're going to cast out some demons. 
We're gonna light up some smokes. And we're gonna watch Shia LaBeouf. Just do it! No, um... <laughs> this week's review of Constantine coming up after the break. Light them if you got them, kids, but we'll be back in a splat. I've seen hell blaze through these streets. I walk between two worlds. Our world and the underworld. Welcome to my life. As long as I can remember, I could see things. Things humans aren't supposed to see. Things you shouldn't have to see. Into the light I command thee. This isn't the usual game, I can feel it. Something's coming. What if I told you that God and the devil made a wager for the souls of all mankind? I don't believe in the devil. He should. He believes in you. I need to see what you saw. You see them. They see you. has a lot of great quotes but one quote that I absolutely love and every time I've watched this movie it actually makes me think after I hear it is the line when um, Constantine is talking to uh, Detective Dodson and he basically asks her what if I told you that God and the devil made a wager a kind of standing bet for the souls of all mankind Every time I hear that quote, I always think to myself, I wonder who's winning right now. If that were the case, you know what I mean? Like, if God and the devil sat down and decided they were going to, you know, wager a dollar. We'll go with the trading places wager. Uh, you know, wager a dollar on, you know, what's going to happen with mankind. It always leads me to start asking the question, who's winning? It's not an easy answer to come up with. I'll tell you what is easy to come up with, though, is the fact of knowing when this movie was released. So Constantine, released by Warner Brothers and Village Roadshow Pictures, I believe, was released originally for the first time February 7th, 2005 in Paris. Eleven days later, it had its North American release, wide release. And, I mean, 
I think Australia had it like February 24th. Basically, so the month of February 2005 saw Constantine's release upon the masses. The movie was directed by Francis Lawrence. This was his film feature debut after directing countless music videos in the 90s and even early 2000s. Videos for Gwen Stefani, Green Day, Mel C, Nelly Furtado, Third Eye Blind, Shakira, Garbage, Alanis Morissette, Aerosmith, P.O.D., Sarah McLaughlin, Bad Religion, and so many more, but not Bush. Hmm, interesting. There's a, there's a tie-in with that, obviously. For those of you that know the film, know where I'm going with this, but... Never directed a video for the band Bush. Hmm. Anyways, after Constantine, he went on to do the classic I Am Legend with Will Smith. So again, working with another musician. And then he's worked with Jennifer Lawrence quite a bit, doing the Hunger Games films and Red Sparrow. And there was a trivia thing about the fact that him and Jennifer both share the same last name. No, they're not related. The movie, Constantine, was written by Kevin Broadbin and Frank Capello, based on characters from the Hellblazer comics by Jamie Delano and Garth Ennis. Now, Constantine was actually created by Alan Moore when he was doing his Swamp Thing comics, but there's a little bit of trivia on that, so just saying for now, the Hellblazer comics by Jamie Delano and Garth Ennis. Now, as for Broadbin... Kevin Broadbent has worked on films like The Glimmer Man and Mindhunters. Mindhunters, for those of you who know that one, uh, the movie that was starring Val Kilmer, LL Cool J, Christian Slater, and Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah, it's kind of a deep cut. Um, and Capello, he, uh, he didn't have many credits, but he has worked on films like Suburban Commando, No Way Back, and He Was a Quiet Man. This film, Constantine, was produced by lots of people. Lauren Schuler Donner, uh, Michael E. Uslin, Benjamin Melnicker, Gilbert Adler, Michael Aguiar, and Akiba Goldsman. Now, Lauren Schuler Donner, this is her only DC-based property that she's produced. In the middle of so many Marvel titles. Uh, Marvel titles that were owned by 20th Century Fox. But uh, the X-Men films, for example. The Wolverine and Deadpool. Um, and then she also produced films like Any Given Sunday and Volcano. But it, it just sort of stood out that this is technically the only DC property that she produced. And even at that is Vertigo Comics owned by DC. So... Again, kind of kind of interesting. And then, obviously, I mentioned Michael E. Uslin and Benjamin Melnicker, who basically have been attached to almost anything and everything that is a DC film property, starting in 1982 with Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. And, yeah, they're very, very, very common names in the DC world. Um, when attached to Warner Brothers, obviously. Cinematography for this movie was done by Philippe Rosselot. Uh, his career started in 1970 
has worked on films like Hope and Glory, Dangerous Liaisons, A Rubber, A Rubber, A River Runs Through It, Interview with the Vampire, Remember the Titans, The People vs. Larry Flint, Big Fish, and he's done both of the Fantastic Beasts films. The music was done by Brian Tyler and Klaus Badalt. However, the music, honestly, mostly composed by Brian Tyler. Uh, Badelt was brought in at the last minute to quote-unquote cheer up the score. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, honestly, this is a Brian Tyler score. He's done scores for, what, something 133 titles currently. That's at this very moment. Titles including Baba Hotep, Vampires Los Muertos, Darkness Falls, Aliens vs. Predator, Requiem. The Lazarus Project, Battle Los Angeles, The Expendables, Final Destination 5, Iron Man 3, John Dies at the End, Avengers Age of Ultron, and he's done TV series like Sleepy Hollow, Swamp Thing, and Terra Nova. Much of the special effects for this film were done by Stan Winston Studio, including Stan himself. He worked on some of the makeup effects work. So I felt that was worth noting. It is because last week's episode, we talked about, you know, the fact that I, what Industrial Light and Magic ILM did a lot of the CGI for the hell scenes. This time around, they went with Stan Winston's studio. I mean, granted, you know, last week it was New Line Cinema. This week it's Warner Brothers. I get it. There's differences, but... I just wanted to point that out because later on I do talk about the hell scenes. So, mentioning Stan Winston's studio, our starring cast. I'm going to go through this as quickly as possible. Um, not a long list for the cast, but a good list for the cast. Pretty much everyone is solid in their roles. Starting with our John Constantine, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves has been in a shit ton of awesome movies, um, including Youngblood, Babes in Toyland, Dangerous Liaisons, he's in all the Bill and Ted films, Parenthood, Point Break, Dracula, Speed, Chain Reaction, Johnny Mnemonic, Devil's Advocate, which is an amazing film, The Matrix series, The Gift, which is a great film. The Day the Earth Stood Still, which eh, I'm so-so about. I kind of like it, but I kind of don't. Uh, 47 Ronin, A Scanner Darkly, all the John Wilk, John Wick films. Knock Knock, <laughs> that's a fun one. Uh, the Neon Demon, Toy Story 4, and as mentioned earlier, yes, he was Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk 2077. Which, honestly, I know... Still people crapping on that game, but it's a lot of fun. Rachel Weiss as Angela and Isabel Dodson. Yes, she plays the twins. Um, other films we've seen her in include Chain Reaction, The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, Aragon, The Lovely Bones, The Born Legacy, Oz, The Great and Powerful, and she will be in the upcoming, whenever they finally release it, movie, Black Widow. Um which I believe has a June, 
is a June release date now, and supposedly it's sticking. See about that, but (laughs) Black Widow is kind of like the, um, you know, when the coronavirus ends thing, where it's like, we keep hearing it, but it just never happens. Uh, Black Widow supposedly is finally being released, so Rachel Weiss will be in that. On to our Chaz Kramer, who is Shia LaBeouf. I'm not normally a fan of his, but this time around, well, maybe I didn't mind him too much. He's also been in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Woods, Dumb and Dumberer, iRobot, Disturbia, Transformers, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, Transformers Dark of the Moon, and the movie Fury. As well as he's been used in many memes. Probably has more appearances in memes than he does movies, but it is what it is. Moving on to Tilda Swinton as the Archangel Gabriel. Really liked her in this film. Wasn't, you know, okay, because she was in the Suspiria remake. And it's interesting because that remake... Still not 100% sold on it. Like, it's not horrible, but it's just not Suspiria to me. But I remember that when I saw the movie for the first time, she actually stood out as being one of the things I actually liked in that movie. She's also been in Vanilla Sky, The Chronicles of Narnia films, Snowpiercer, Doctor Strange, and I believe also Avengers Endgame. Uh, She was in The Dead Don't Die, which is sort of a polarizing film. Some people really got the humor in that, and some people didn't get it at all. (laughs) But that's another good one. And she was also in the film Michael Clayton. Pruitt Taylor Vince as Father Hennessy. Um, A lot of TV work. But he was in some films. He was in Jacob's Ladder, JFK... Natural Born Killers, The Cell, and Monster. Uh, but some of his TV work, he's uh, standout episodes for like The X-Files, House, The Walking Dead, and Stranger Things. So that's kind of cool. Jaiman Hansu as Papa Midnight. You probably remember him most from Gladiator or he was Guardians of the Galaxy. He was in that. He was also Black Panther, but in the animated uh, miniseries, six episodes. It's also been in Captain Marvel, Aquaman, Shazam. Uh, what else? Blood Diamond, Aragon, the uh, Tomb Raider, uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life. He was in that, and he's going to be in the um, the sequel for A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place Two, coming uh, May twenty eighth. So that will be interesting. And as Balthazar, we have our greedy fly. Um, No, we have Bush. Um, No, I mentioned Francis Lawrence never did a Bush video, but he worked with Gavin Rossdale. That's who Balthazar was. Yeah. Not enough Gavin in this movie. I'm not going to lie. He's actually a pretty good actor, at least in this movie. Moving on to Max Baker as Beeman. Uh, A lot of smaller roles, I guess. He's been in movies, but like kind of 
he's a supporting actor, right? He's I don't think he's ever had an actual starring role, but he did he was in the movie The Time Machine. He was in The Island uh with Scarlett Johansson, Ewan McGregor. Who else was in that uh well, Jaiman Hansu was in that, and so was Sean Bean, actually, now that I think about it. Um, that one's a good one. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and he was in Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Finally, our Satan, our little horn, our devil, playing the role of Lucifer Morningstar, Peter Stormare. 194 acting credits to this man. So, granted, I did not write them all down. However, he was in Fargo. He was in The Lost World, Jurassic Park. I believe that was part three. Uh, Big Lebowski, Armageddon, 8mm, Minority Report. He was in Bad Boys 2. He was in The Batman vs. Dracula. Nacho Libre, or Libra, sorry, um... The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Do you know I've never actually seen that one. I've heard a lot of good things about it. But I've never actually seen it. He was in Bad Milo. He was in Eli Roth's movie Clown. Um, in the TV, seri- TV series um, Arrow. He was Vertigo. Count Vertigo. He was the first. I, no wait. Was he the first or the second Vertigo? I can't remember now. It's been a while since I watched that show. Uh, he was in John Wick Chapter 2. And he's done voices for the Castlevania anime series. So, yes, Peter Stormare. What a gem in this movie. More on that in a bit. Uh, The runtime for the film is two hours and one minute. It's rated R for demonic imagery, violence, and smoking. The budget was roughly somewhere between 70 to 100 million, but the gross profit worldwide was 230.9 million dollars. So that is awesome. Our synopsis for this film is as follows. John Constantine sees demons walk the earth and he aims to do something about it. Send them back to hell. As Constantine, Keanu Reeves fights a new Otherworld foe in the eye-opening supernatural action thriller based on characters from the DC Comics Vertigo, Hellblazer graphic novels, and set in the City of Angels, where spirit world bounds have broken and all hell is breaking loose. Holy Water, a dragon's breath flamethrower, a shotgun crafted from a crucifix, armed with these and assisted by an intrepid cop. John Constantine is a spiritual warrior gone to apocalyptic war. Be glad he's on your side. And now, for the notes from Ravenscar. Oh yeah, Ravenscar. It does get mentioned in this movie. Uh, Ravenscar is actually uh, the name of the hospital um, from the comics that... uh, Constantine spent four years in and out of due to his own battles with mental health and whatnot. But let's take it all the way back to the day that John Constantine was actually created by Alan Moore. Funny thing about this is, and this is why I said earlier that, you know, we would go more with, when credited, they credit it more to uh, Garth and Jamie. And the reason for that is because Alan Moore 
prior to this had had a lot of negative experiences with Hollywood, uh, especially when it came to the titles From Hell and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So he didn't want anything to do with Hollywood adapting the Constantine title at all. So he's not credited anywhere in the film. He took no money for it. He wanted nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, I believe he even said that he'd rather give the credit to the illustrators who illustrated John Constantine as opposed to him who wrote the stories. He wanted nothing to do with it. So that's why earlier in the credits, like when I was talking about, you know, who wrote the story and whatnot, I said Alan Moore did create the character, but technically does not get credit for anything with John Constantine in this movie. I also mentioned that the original title for this movie was intended to be Hellblazer. However, because it was so close to the release of Hellboy, which I believe had come out in 2004, they changed the name to Constantine instead. Can't say I complain about that. Um, I get it, I guess. But would have been kind of cool if they had called it Hellblazer. But whatever. It is what it is. Before Mr. Reeves was cast, uh, believe it or not, so this is kind of... Because I'm sort of a fan of this guy, I do wonder how this would have looked had Nicolas Cage been John Constantine as opposed to Keanu Reeves. Um, that would definitely have been interesting. I, I can't see that Nicolas Cage can dial it down. He's normally a guy who likes to dial it up. So I don't know how that would have worked. Mel Gibson and Kevin Spacey were also considered for the role. I'm not so sure if Gibson could have pulled it off, but Kevin Spacey would have been interesting. Keep in mind that for this this property, and I believe I talk about it later on in my reviews, John Constantine's not from Liverpool in this iteration. So that's why it's a lot of American actors who were being looked at. Peter Stormare actually auditioned, auditioned for the role of Balthazar, but he ended up getting Lucifer. Um, again, that would have been something, uh, you know, being that he is Lucifer and his Lucifer is pretty fucking good. Kind of glad they went that way, but him as Balthazar would have been interesting, but then we wouldn't have had, you know, the greedy fly. So I don't know why I keep calling him the greedy fly. I'll call him cold contagious instead. Everything is Zen. Um, glycerine. Okay. Anyways. Yes. I was a Bush fan. As you can tell, I still kind of am. Um, Michelle Monaghan was actually supposed to be in this movie a lot more than she was. She only has one small line and one small little role in this film. Uh, basically, when the water sprinklers go off, uh, it's supposed to be the holy water. And I believe it's her character who says holy water. Um, that's her. Uh, however, all the rest of her scenes were deleted from the movie. You can see them in the deleted scenes portion. As a matter of fact, if you pay really close attention, there's a scene with her and Constantine 
They're in a bedroom, and it looks obviously insinuated that they just had sex together. And then there's another scene where you see her and him talking in a bar. If you pay attention to the dialogue, the dialogue is basically spot on 100% the same. So they obviously were trying different scenes to see how they could fit that dialogue in there. They ended up just taking both scenes out. Um, And then there's another scene in the deleted part that she is a part of as well. But um, yeah, she was reduced down to the holy water line, and that was about it. Looking at the actors in this film, though, I really can't complain much. I will say this. Okay, so Shia LaBeouf, I'm not the hugest fan of him. And I think I try to explain this properly. It's not that I find he's a one-trick pony, but I find his characters all... His approach to the characters, it always seems like he's playing himself. Um, and not in a Jack Nicholson kind of way either, where it's like kind of dialed up to 11. It's like when I'm listening to this, like, I can't tell if I'm listening to Chaz Kramer or Sam Witwicky, if you know what I'm saying. Like he sounds the same. He acts the same. He's got the same mannerisms. I get it's the same actor. So yeah, I get it, but there's not enough of his character that that I can sit there and say that's not Shia LaBeouf. You know, when, when you watch certain actors, you you know who they are, but if they play the role really well, you forget it's them. With him, he I find he doesn't give that to me in his acting. So I do like his characterization of, of Chaz. But again, it's still, I watch it and I go, that's Shia LaBeouf. Um Going down the line of the rest of the actors, like I love Tilda Swinton as Gabriel. Um, she, she brings, at least the way I was kind of approaching, like like the approach I get from it is that it's almost like cute and carefree, um, and she's got like that mischief maker feel to her at the same time. I realize now when I was reading up on different people's opinions of this film and whatnot. She seems to be the one her and Shia LaBeouf seem to be the two that a lot of people pick out as they didn't like their portrayal of their characters. I liked it. I thought she did. All right. Um, Gavin Rossdale as Balthazar is really good. My problem is, is I don't think we see him enough. Same with Jaiman How Hansu. I always, I almost screw that name up sometimes. Um, both Balthazar and Papa Midnight. I love that we got them in this movie. I feel we didn't get them enough. And I mean, Papa Midnight's from the comics where Balthazar was created for this movie, obviously. But I don't know. I, I, I just wish I could have seen both of them a little bit more. Uh, Beeman and Father Hennessy. Honestly, they're there. They're solid. But I think they're just there to forward the plot. I think that's honestly that's about it. They're just the Father Hennessy part. I kind of like how it's we see that he's trying to drink the alcohol and it's not coming out of the bottle, but it actually apparently is. And then you find out later he drowned himself in the alcohol and stuff. That that part is always really cool. I always really find that kind of intriguing. It's a, definitely an interesting way to kill off a character. 
and Beeman, well, Beeman just creepy with all the flies all over him and shit. And especially being the fact that he's the guy who, you know, bugs, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just, they're cool. I think obviously we have to talk about the, the main three though. Um, Rachel Weiss as Isabel and Angela. I like her character. She's both vulnerable and strong. I like that she's playing the two sisters that somewhat have a connection to each other yet are so far apart. Um, it, it's good writing for her. So she was able to have something to work well with. Um, and Keanu Reeves. Uh, I mean, her, first off, Keanu Reeves and Rachel work really well off each other. And I think that is something that's really great. And I think that's, I don't want to take away from her. She's given a lot of attention and rightfully so, but this helps Keanu because Keanu, some people, First off, if your lead actor doesn't land the role, the movie is most likely going to fail at a miserable level, and it doesn't. Secondly, though, a lot of people call Keanu Reeves wooden. Um, a, a lot of his acting gets called wooden. First off, the the scenes with Rachel, they work very well off each other, and I find she helps to bring some of that emotion out of him that some people would say is lacking. The other thing, though, is, is that the wooden acting that some people have highlighted so much about Keanu Reeves, I think works in this movie. Because John Constantine, sometimes the emotionless approach to some of the situations is what makes the performance so powerful because you got to keep in mind like john constantine is a veteran of this he's been through this all before he's dealt with demons he's he's dealt with exorcisms and whatnot to him it's just another day and he knows he's doomed for hell all he wants to do is try and find a way to heaven but he's got that apathetic approach so while some people will sit there and and point out that Keanu Reeves, oh, he's not the greatest actor. Everything he does is wooden. This is one of those performances where a little bit of that wooden acting goes a long way in making the performance more powerful. And then, like I said, bring in Rachel Weiss. She helps pull some of that emotion out of him that you wouldn't see otherwise. And at the same time, when he's being emotionless, he's sort of being a dick. But that's what makes such a great dichotomy between the two. So I think, honestly, between Keanu Reeves and Rachel Weiss, it was a great pairing to put the two together as you know partners in this. But then you have the flip side of all of that, and you have Peter Stormare as Lucifer. I mean, he's in this movie for, what, a total of maybe 8 to 10 minutes, maybe? That's it. And some people have gone as far as to say uh, to say that he should have been, you know, given the 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 lead credit in the film. He's powerful, he's arrogant. I mean, he's so goddamn sure of himself that he has like an air of boastfulness. And it makes him like both endearing and obnoxious all at the same time. And it's just his delivery of his lines. It, while at times it seems like he's almost dialing it up to 15. 
at other times it's like so low level it's like he's just underplaying it just enough like and that's where that whole that powerful feel that arrogance of the devil comes into play and he really really embodies that so well and the whole reason this all comes together why all the actors are able to play this so well we're playing it out first off the the setting in the city of los angeles los angeles um and what what's the whole thing behind this? The spear of destiny has been discovered. You know, you see at the beginning of the film, these these guys are digging, and all of a sudden they come upon you know the spear of destiny that was wrapped in a Nazi flag. On top of that, which um, behind the scenes kind of thing, uh, after they filmed that scene, they actually burned the Nazi flag because they were afraid it would. They never wanted it to get in the wrong hands. Um, so after that scene was filmed, they burned the flag, but. Spear of Destiny has been found wrapped in a Nazi flag. Mammon, the son of Satan, wants to transcend from hell to earth, you know, to wreak havoc. Uh, and you have Gabriel, you know, mischief making, puppeteering everything, you know, with the strings and all that, you know, trying to help. Um, the idea of Mammon. Uh, Mammon ha- is... Uh, a god or a demon uh, usually linked to the idea of greed or wealth. So it makes sense that he would want to, you know, break free of the grip of his father, you know, Satan, Mr. Morningstar. Um, you know, Mammon wants to take all that he can muster in the world up from hell. So he's trying to escape. And how does he do that? He uses the Spear of Destiny. Now, interestingly enough, the Spear of Destiny has been used in several DC properties, including the Spectre, which is linked to John Constantine, and the TV show DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Matt Ryan played John Constantine in uh, in the TV realm. As a matter of fact, that uh, that again another series, uh, another series canceled too soon. John Constantine, Constantine. Um, you know, with Matt Ryan, NBC pulled the plug after the first season, and we're lucky that the CW-verse picked him up and brought him into their universe because Matt Ryan was a damn good find and more in tune with the character in the comics, obviously, but um, it would have been such a waste to have one season and nothing else, so... Legends of Tomorrow is where he landed. Uh, he also had an appearance. As a matter of fact, I think his first appearance was on Arrow when they brought back the character of Sarah Lance. Um, but to get to my point, the spear, the Spear of Destiny, which was featured in Legends of Tomorrow with Matt Ryan's Constantine, has never actually been used in any of the comic adaptations of Constantine or Justice League Dark, for that matter. Um and okay so i'm going to talk about this i don't want to spend too much time on it but just enough to make the point because hell again second week in a row i'm talking about hell we see it again kids in all its glorious cgi form again kids but this time oh uh hell is kind of nice to see it's kind of a weird sentence to say, I realize that. But so originally, much like with Spawn, 
Originally, the idea of hell, or the original idea, was to be a black room. Again, a full dark room, just black. And they had the added idea of adding like black oil or water to you know grace the floor of the devil's home. And then decisions are made. And studio says, nope, let's do a CGI hell again. Except this time they got a little smart. First off, they based it on old footage from nuclear tests, uh, nuclear bomb testing, uh, the, 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 the shock wave, the, the look of the buildings after they've been disintegrated and whatnot. That was what they wanted to go with hell this time. Instead of just hellfires, they showed more a crumbling land, a landscape. And it looks awesome. It looks really, really good. On top of the fact that you brought in the big guns from Stan Winston Studio, that helped pay off really nicely. On top of the fact that not only does Hell look really good, but you did Satan properly. Instead of having him as like this like animated puppet-like thing that the mouth doesn't even move, you bring in Peter Stormare, who also created his own look for the character because originally they wanted him to have like tattoos and studs and black leather and basically look like um oh what's the guy's name suicide suicide from return of the living dead that's how they wanted satan to look and he's like no 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 no, no. hold on it's like how about we go with like this white suit but i'll have tar dripping off my feet uh, I'll have like veins showing with like, you know, and I'll, I'll like ham up the acting. It, it works. It's amazing. So you have Satan works right in this. You have hell that look, looks amazing in this. Then you have the demons. There's all the demons and whatnot. They look awesome in this. I like the idea for the angel wings, like especially for uh, like Gabriel and whatnot. They look somewhat worn in or used. Um, but they look very natural, almost like, like Eagle's wings kind of thing. It like, I mean, let's be honest. This is a beautiful looking film. Like aesthetically, this thing is gorgeous, but then there's the whole argument of, is it faithful to the source material it's based on? Well, obviously not so much because Constantine is supposed to be from Liverpool. He should be blonde. He should look almost like sting, you know? Um, and he doesn't. And, and here's the thing. This is the reason why, uh, very quickly, when the script was being shopped around. They had the script written. They were shopping it around. And nobody would pick it up. Uh, and originally, this was more faithful to the comics. So then they made the changes. They, they had the Constantine was from California now. He basically looks like Neo from The Matrix. Um, and then you got to keep in mind, like Chaz, Chaz Kramer, in the comics, he's a grown man. As a matter of fact, even in the, the TV series that NBC released, he was a grown man. Um, in this, they went with Shia LaBeouf, who's like sort of like this annoying teenager. He's he's basically Sam Witwicky without his Transformers. Um, I mean, I, he doesn't annoy me, but if we're sticking with source ma source material logic, he's terribly miscast. Um, but still, even though it doesn't follow the source material it's not enough for me to completely knock this movie this movie is possibly a lot better than it should have been uh, 
Okay, so criticisms, criticisms, because I, I, I do have to be honest about this. The score, honestly, this is one of the few times you'll ever hear me say this, is probably the one thing I don't have a whole lot to say about. And I, I'm very much a music guy. I love my music, and I love really good themes. That's the problem with this. There is no actual theme. Um, maybe it's from the fact that we brought in two composers, and we brought in a second one to fix what they felt was wrong with the original. Gee, where have we heard of this story before? But yeah, like the score. Okay, here's the thing. The score is not bad. It's not distracting at all, but it's not memorable. And that that's the thing. Like thinking of comic book properties, right? Captain America, whether you're a Marvel fan or not, there's, there's a bit of a memorable theme to that. Avengers, the Avengers theme is very memorable. Um, you look at DC, Batman, uh, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman had that Hans Zimmer Junkie XL theme. Batman, the Danny Elfman one. Um, John Williams did Superman. These are memorable themes. With this, there's nothing that stands out that you go, oh, that's the Constantine theme. It, there's nothing memorable about it. It seems very generic. It's almost like a typical supernatural-esque kind of theme music, uh, score music. So it's not that it's bad. But it doesn't stand out. Whereas with other comic book properties, they've always had that that theme that stands out. Next week's episode, which I will announce in a bit, has a memorable theme. Um, Spider-Man has a memorable theme, especially if we're talking that 60s cartoon. But <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? Like there, If it doesn't have that certain ring to it, 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 it just goes off as sounding generic and unfortunately that's what happened with this um in terms of reception of the film uh, so this is kind of funny uh re- roger ebert yeah this is on his most hated list <laughs> why am i not surprised actually it's kind of weird because he loved spawn but he didn't care for this um as a matter of fact, there's not many critics that are a fan of this movie. Um, fans, on the other hand, there's definitely a fandom when it comes to this movie. You know, um, it's probably one of the few films I can think of that comes from DC Comics where I I see very little complaints from fans, uh, especially what was recently like everything you know dc fans complain about pretty much everything these days and this is one of those films that kind of just stays under the radar it's not that it's not loved but we really don't have much to complain about critics on the other hand well like when you take rotten tomatoes for example the critics have it at 46 percent rotten while the audience score is at 72 percent fresh uh, David Anson of Newsweek, he basically said the movie peaks early and then descends into portentous nonsense. I never understand what people expect when they go into a horror film or a fantasy film or something based on a comic book and they say that something is nonsense. Why? Like, you do... It's not an autobiography. It's not meant 
to, I don't know. Maybe I'm just way too easy on things. Um, Drew Deitch, though, uh, another reviewer for the movie, said Constantine deserves a cult following and should be remembered for all the things it did right instead of its perceived wrongs. And I'm on that side. That's more where I lean. Let's remember all the things it did right, because I could sit here and criticize about the fact that it doesn't follow source material and that the score is kind of generic and whatnot, but there's so much that the movie did right. Why am I going to nitpick on the small things that maybe stand out a little bit as being meh? Um, On IMDb, the movie currently holds a rating of 7 out of 10, 7 being the most voted score, 8 out of 10 being the second highest score, the podcast zero rating. And here's a few things to consider. First off, no hidden eggs. There's no continued universe. There's no extended universe. There's nothing to worry about. This is kind of a one-off story. It's its own thing. There's no ties or like there's no mention of the Spectre or, you know, Justice League Dark or Swamp Thing or Zatanna or anything. There's none of that. It's it's its own story, one story. That's it. I easily could have been continued with the after credit scene. But oh, oh, there's an after credit scene. It's amazing how many people didn't know that was there. So many people with Marvel created the after credit scene. Actually, no, they didn't. Um, to the to my knowledge, the first after credit scene, and I'm sure there's probably been others, but I'm aware of Masters of the Universe. Dolph Lundgren, Frank Langella. We see Skeletor's hand come up out of the water. Um, I'm not sure that that's the very first one, but it's the first one I was aware of. I was also aware of this one. The after credit scene where, you know, Chaz has passed away and John basically puts his Zippo lighter on the tombstone and says, you did good, kid. And he goes to turn around and all of a sudden you see angel wings and Chaz shoots off into heaven. Yeah, Marvel did not create the whole idea of the after credit scene. Just saying. Um, but yeah, and there is talks of still a sequel this movie could be coming. Peter Stormare has been teasing shit on Instagram, so who knows? But as it stands right now, it's a one-off story. The acting is top-notch. Reeves, Weiss, and Stormare are easily the gems. The supporting acting from Tilda Swinton, Gavin Rossdale, Jaiman Hansu, and Max Baker is is definitely a nice bonus, but it's your top three. Reeves, Weiss, and Stormare, they easily take the cake. Peter Stormare may actually be the most powerful of the three. Hell looks so much better in this than what we endured from Spawn. Granted, I'll I'll give it this much also. This came out eight years after. So let's not be too hard on Spawn. The effects on this are great. Some really great looking sequences. It's a two hour movie that doesn't really feel like two hours. If there's nitpicks to be found, as I mentioned before, it's the less memorable score. And the fact that it really doesn't follow much in line with the comics that it was inspired from. Still, though, the directorial debut from a guy who did a lot of music videos that weren't songs by Bush. 
does not disappoint. And to be fair, and I know I'm being biased when I say this, but I'm a stupid guy trying to pretend I'm smart. In my own little podcast, this movie is a serious favorite of mine. And it's one that I appreciate more and more with each viewing. Each time I've watched it, I've loved it more than I did the time before. For me, I give it 8 out of 10 Satanic Verses. It's an absolute treasure. It, this is this movie is gold. I I totally love this movie. It's a very cold, contagious film for me. Everything about it is zen. Um, <laughs> I keep doing this again. It's a machine head of a movie. Um, yeah. Anyways, I I love this film. I really do. And eight out of ten is where I stand on it. So. On that note, oh, quickly, no, hold on, hold on, back it up. So I mentioned about the sequel. So it's Peter Stormare that has been hinting about a sequel, uh, Constantine II, so to speak. Um, He has said he would like to return to the role of Satan. Keanu Reeves has also come out and said he has no problems returning to the role of John Constantine. So that's two for two there. Um... And to my knowledge, Warner Brothers could possibly be looking at extending this storyline, but it seems like it's a lot of rumor at the moment and not a whole lot of actual meat to the story. So as it looks at the moment, Constantine is a one-off and it'll probably stay that way, especially what with you know, the whole Snyderverse thing going on right now and their extended universe. I'm just not sure that Constantine is meant to fit in there unless they do something with justice league dark, but that's going to HBO. So as much as I I would love to see them take this another step further. And I think both Peter Stormare and Keanu Reeves could easily reprise their roles with no problem. I do believe a sequel is more than likely out of the question. But I did kind of hint at that in my podcast rating. So like my zero podcast zero rating. So just to clarify on that. And on that note, finally, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for enjoying the show. Having the, uh, the podcast storage uh, move over to Red Circle. I'm now able to see analytics of my show, and I can honestly say I think I have more than two listeners, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. Um, yeah, the numbers are a little bit better than I expected, so I'm I'm very happy about that, and I appreciate people tuning into the show. On that note, obviously, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Red Circle, Amazon, FM Player, Podbean, thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero or at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com or any streaming app that you use. I believe Audible, I believe, is another one that you can find it on. Um, Just not YouTube. I I will say that. You can't find it on YouTube, but it is what it is. 
on social media you can find the show at facebook instagram and twitter um facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero on instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero and on twitter at w at wlb podcast zero we're going to close out with this week with a track that was used actually in the movie Constantine. Though the Constantine soundtrack did not contain this track on it. Uh, by a perfect circle, the song Passive. And I'm going to announce episode 92. Episode 92. We're going to go the Marvel route next week. And I can already hear those wheels turning. It's not, it doesn't take much to figure out where I'm going with this. It's a matter of which one I was going to do. There are three films with this character in it. And I was like, eh, you know, I could go with the first film. But personally, on a personal level, I find that the second film is the one I kind of really enjoy and would, I think I would really like talking about. So, episode 92 coming next week will be. Blade 2 starring Wesley Snipes and Ron Perlman Ron Perlman has been another comic book character as well plus I keep dancing around with Sons of Anarchy I keep going back and watching a few episodes and whatnot. but anyway so yeah next week Blade 2 close out with Perfect Circle I'd like to thank you all for tuning in think i've pretty much said everything i also will say that more than likely next episode there will be a little bit of um, like highlights from joe bob's first episode the last drive-in season three and yeah it's a cut you need to shut the fuck up